barbecue season. It's summertime. It's 103 freaking degrees where I live. I just heard from my good friend. I'm not even going to say his name yet. I'm about to. But 111, 113 degrees today up in Seattle, the Pacific Northwest. That's nowhere near normal. I guess what it does, though, is it brings us to the point that it is truly summertime. And I had such a blast this last week, guys and girls, with the Traegers and the Reno Rodeo Association and Jack Daniels. Thank you all so much for the support that we got out there. I'm going to talk to my guest today about what we experienced, and I'm going to learn some things from our guest today. He hasn't been on in a hot minute, no pun intended, but please remember to keep supporting the partners and sponsors that support us. Today's episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody, again, is brought to you by the one and only, the iconic Jack Daniels Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. Enjoy it responsibly. Never, ever allow underage drinking. Thank you so much, Jack Daniels, old number seven. Gentlemen, single barrel, the apple, the honey, the fire. We truly appreciate all your support of our community. Today's episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Whiskey Bent Barbecue. Have you guys tried the rocks? Have you tried the bird? There's so many badass rubs in this man's line and knowledge. You talk about barbecue grilling, becoming a backyard aficionado is what I like to call guys like this. Chad Ward, what's up, my brother? Hey, what's up, Belding? Good to see you, buddy. As always. Hey, I got to ask you this real quick. You just just told me that it's 113 or 111 in Seattle Day. It's 103 where I'm sitting right now. You're in the great state of Florida, one of my favorite places in the world. Are you in Florida or Utah right now? No, I'm I'm in Florida, and it's cooler than both those places. I'm looking at my phone right now. 90 degrees here. But humidity, right? Oh, the humidity's killer. It's like uh, it feels terrible. Yeah, not... uh, Actually, not too bad today. It's 50%. Usually this time of year, it's in the 80s. Now, this is going to sound maybe like a dumb question, but I started thinking about this in this last few days because we were out in the middle of just direct sunshine with the Traegers going. Does this affect your cook at all when it gets that hot? Can it affect the meat, the temperature, the texture, the actual barrel, the convection style that's going on in the Traeger? Can high temperatures like this affect what you're trying to achieve with your meat? And how can we fight that heat? So that's actually a really good point. Um, yeah, it does. So I, I go back, you know, when I was in the heart of my barbecue days competing, you know, every other weekend. Um, I remember I cooked a contest outside of Orlando once on a blacktop and it was early August. And when I put my thermopen on the blacktop, it read 130 degrees. Oh, and I knew that day on the longer on all the items, they're going to cook a little bit quicker. Um, but I'd noticed like, especially on my, 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 uh, shorter cook items, like my chicken and my ribs, they were done 30, 45 minutes ahead of time. And it, it's just really because you're adding so much heat to the barrel. The trigger is still going to do its thing and stay, you know, if you've got it set at 250, it's going to stay at 250. It's going to continue to provide that convection heat. Um, but, but some of the times if you have something that doesn't have as good of a controller or, you know, you're running an offset or something that you're kind of manually you know handling the temperature you want to take that into account because when that whole grill and that whole barrel and chamber is is heated up like that and has that direct sunlight just beating on it um it's obviously going to raise the 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 cook chamber you know a couple degrees temp wise so when you're when you start talking about um the actual chamber and the heat that's in there do you do 
I, I, I've watched you with like spritzing or spraying down briskets or different types of meat, tri-tips, ribs. Um, is spritzing something that can combat that with a little cool off? Or are we taking another chance of it getting hit with that and that spritz burning or cinching on it so fast because of the, the heat change in the element or the barrel? Yeah, to me, my, my rule always around spritzing is when you look at the piece of meat, does it need it? Like, does it look super dry? On a Traeger, you don't have that much of a problem with it because it's cooking with convection. Um, a lot of times when you're cooking on a, a, a stick burner or an offset, um, you'll want to spritz because it's just a super dry heat, whereas we don't have a, a really, really dry heat in a Traeger. Um, so for me, if it looks like it needs to spritz, I'll spritz it. But you did bring up another great point when you do spritz. Think about what you're spritzing with. Um when you're using uh, apple juices, grape juice, white grape, those things, they leave back uh, behind a lot of sugar, which at higher heat, like you said, can can scorch and kind of pr- provide some off flavors that we really don't want. Um, for me, when I spritz, uh, you know, if I'm doing beef, I like to spritz with either just straight up water or I'll use some low sodium beef broth. Not a lot of sugar there, but a lot of favor, flavor. And it kind of hydrates the the outside of the meat if it's super dry. Remember, that's all part of building the bark that you want on your barbecue, too. So just because it looks a touch dry isn't a bad thing, uh, especially if I know like on a brisket, if that bark starts to look a little dry, but I know I'm really close to wrapping it in foil, I'll hold off from spritzing it. And I'll just go ahead and wrap it in foil, add a little bit of my low sodium beef broth, and that'll soften that bark up just a touch. When you start talking about bark on something like specifically Chad Ward, a brisket right now, when you when you think about a brisket, and let's let's just go with maybe a 12, 15 pounder, not Wagyu, maybe just a nice piece of beef. Yep. After the bark, you have a ring. Let's say that the mm-hmm. piece, let's say that you slice your brisket against the grain and you lay it down. How much of that ring should you see around that piece of meat and follow that up please with your answer of what should the color of a perfectly cooked piece of brisket be as opposed to maybe like a pink medium rare filet mignon what should a piece like visually explain to me what a perfect piece of brisket should look like yeah so that's a great point so the the ring that that we're talking about is uh is what they call the smoke ring so the smoke ring is the chemical reaction between the smoke and the the meat and the, there's a couple ways, couple ways to help um, give yourself more smoke ring. Uh, one, and, and I, I usually get a really nice smoke ring cooking it the way that I do, and 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 that is simply just uh, you know trim the trim the brisket up, seasoning it, um, throwing it on. Usually my brisket when it goes on somewhere between you know, 48 and 55 degrees, you know, so pretty much it's not room temp, but I've taken the chill off of it. I've pulled it out of the fridge, let it sit for about an hour with rub on it and then put it on the grill. And what I'm looking for, people say, well, how do you know it's time to go on the grill? Uh, You'll know it. You've seen this from cooking with me, Chad. Um, When I season it and I'll let it sit there at room temp, like on this table here and 45 minutes, an hour into it, you can look at it and it's almost like a slurry on top of that, on the top of that beef like where the rubs and the proteins are starting to react. And that's exactly what you want. So when I, that's what I'm looking for there. And then throughout the time, the smoke ring comes a lot from how much smoke does the brisket get? So 
what I find is when you're done and you slice that brisket, you should have, you know, about a six and you're looking at the brisket slice itself. You should have about a 16th inch of bark. And then you're probably going to have somewhere around a one to two inch uh, smoke ring. And then the rest of that brisket to me should be perfect, like a golden brown. Um, Cause you, obviously you're cooking it to 200, 205 degrees. So it's cooked all the way through. So you've got that nice brown body of the brisket Above that, you've got the smoke ring, and then sitting on top of that, you've got your bark. And when you, when you, let me fix this real quick, Chuck. When you start calling it a smoke ring, should brisket be smoky flavored? Um, Is there such thing as too much smoke in your professional opinion, Chad? And where I'm going with this question is there are a lot of meats to where I can't get into them if there's too much smoke placed on the meat or too much of the smoking process that occurs before the actual grill or the actual cook um, commences. So you've won everything. You're, you're looked at as a guy that not only can throw down privately in a backyard with buddies and, and friends, but you can go and you can, you can impress judges. Do you think in your professional opinion that there is a such thing as too much smoke? I absolutely do, Chad, and I, and I think that's a great call out there um, because I, I've ate it before. And, and it's one of the things that, that you know, as Pete, one of the things that I feel like, you know, me and you both talk a lot about the Traeger um, taking a lot of learning curve off of a cook. You know what I mean? And and this is one of those. So when I've eaten a lot of oversmoked uh, barbecue and I don't like it either, and it comes from a couple of different places. One most of it, it's, it's guys that are running, you know, offsets or stick burners and they haven't let their wood age long enough. So when, when you're cooking on, on regular wood logs, those things have to be dried out. Um, they have to be really at a, at a, a really minimum moisture. So you get that nice, clean blue smoke when you don't. And, and that wood still has water in it. The problem is you'll start noticing that white, uh, more dense smoke. That is not good smoke. That's a that's a fire that's not combusting well because you're using uh, wood that's too wet to cook over. So to me, that's where a lot of the oversmokiness comes from. And then I don't know why social media did it, but like so many people like to go out there and say, oh, man, I cooked this brisket at 185 degrees for for 20 hours. And it's like, OK, was there any real reason you wanted to cook it for 20 hours at 185 I would much rather cook it 225 and then go to 275 when I wrap and be done with it, you know, after, um, you know, after eight, 10 hours. Uh, so I think that's the two things, people cooking it too low, too long, which is overpowering the meat with too much smoke. And I think the second one, like we talked about is people using wood um, that is not properly dried and then cooking over it, providing that way too heavy, dirty smoke. Um, so I would say those two right there are pretty, uh, uh, your reasons behind uh, getting barbecue. It's a little too smoky. I'm, I'm reading something right now that, <clears throat> that one of my friends wrote me this weekend. And I, and I, and I just thought of it again, cause I forgot to reply, but he's asking me, him and his wife are asking me, why don't you ever cook chicken? And I, he like stuck me, right? Like he, like, I'm like, Holy, I can't think of the last time that I did it or did content behind it. I don't know if it's because I'm on this beef kick or this wild game kick, but you have also shown me like chicken can be 
amazing. Like the best there is off of these Traeger yeah. grills, right? And I'm never going to be like, oh, well, you can't make good chicken on what, you know, over open spit or fire or whatever it is. But Traeger chicken is legit. What do you cook it a lot? Do you enjoy the actual experience of eating chicken? And finish that, please, Chad Ward, Whiskey Bent Barbecue, by talking about is there a difference in your application of skin on drummies, maybe some breasts, maybe some skin on thighs? Why is your chicken so good? And do you enjoy eating it? Or have you gotten away from cooking chicken because you're always into the, the wagyu and the pork butts and all this kind of stuff? Um, so just got done with my, so first off, I love cooking chicken. Um, and I'm having to cook more of it now because went to my doctor for my physical manual physical. He gave me a huge high five on losing more weight, blah, blah, blah. But then he started looking at my uric acid levels, which always tie back to gout, which always tie back to red meat. So, um, I'm trying to limit my red meat to twice a week. Wish me luck. You know how much I like red meat and We'll, we'll see if I can uh, hold up to that. But uh, so there will be more chicken and fish in my future, but I still eat a pretty good amount of chicken. Um, I always tell people when they, when they first get their trigger, that's the first thing to put on it. Super simple. Just get you a whole chicken, you know, wash it off, pat it dry, put your favorite rub on it and just throw it on at 450 for 90 minutes. And, and that's paying no attention to it. And that right there is going to be a really, really good, good whole chicken. And I think why it's so impressive to people off the trigger is I know for me, I grew up in kind of that typical, your dad's a propane cook family. So I was used to chicken on Friday nights that was burnt on the outside and potentially raw on the inside um, because of just that direct harsh grilling over propane. So when I found the trigger and found out how easy chicken was and how juicy and moist it was, I just absolutely loved it. Um, and then if you're trying to take it to the next level, you know, I've got a product out there. There's a lot of other ones, uh, a brine, uh, mine's called the dunk. I usually do all, I usually brine all my chicken. One brine's pretty cheap. Uh, two, it's super easy. You mix it up, you cool it off, you put your meat in, you throw the, the brine in with, in a, in a bag with your meat and just throw it in the free, fridge overnight. And all that does is the brining process just brings more moisture and flavor into the meat. So now you've kind of got a, uh, a, a, a double, a, a double gun approach, if you will, you've got the Traeger, which cooks great chicken and you've got a brined piece of chicken or whole chicken that uh, that's already got a bunch of flavor and moisture put into it. So brining is definitely a good key. Um, to me, you asked a little bit about skin on skin off. Um, if I cook with skin on, I'm wanting a crispy skin. So there's two things that I'll do different. Uh, I'll still brine it. When I pull it off, I'll wash it really, really good. And then I'll dry it all really, really good. If I have time, I'll even take and put a, a cookie cooling rack on top of a sheet pan and then lay all my chicken out that I'm going to cook and just throw it in the fridge like that. And what that'll do is that that air circulating around in your fridge will help dry out the skin of that chicken. So I'll, I'll let it do that, you know, for a couple hours, even overnight, if I've got the uh, ability. And then when I go to rub it, uh, I'll take and I'll pour probably, depending on how much I'm doing, let's say I'm doing a dozen wings, uh, you know, I'll take and pour myself a couple ounces of rub. Uh, I either, I usually use my blazing bird. And then I'll add in a, um, usually two, maybe three teaspoons of uh, cornstarch. And I'll mix it all up real well. 
and that's what I'll season the chicken with. And then like for wings, skin on, I'll cook them at 350, 375. And so what happens is that cornstarch, as you start to cook at that higher temperature, starts to help pull some of that moisture out of the skin. And to me, I like it because then the texture that that cornstarch gets as it's pulling out moisture, but it's also cooking at 375 degrees, kind of gives you a little bit of a fried exterior texture, but with the beauty and juiciness of just that smoke-kissed wing. I've learned that from you, and I always give you credit when I do it, but there's no other way to eat a chicken wing. There just isn't. No. A dry rub with the cornstarch is like different level. You mentioned something in there that I want you to talk on for the audience, Chad Ward, is two-part question again. What is the difference between a brine and a marinade? And being a dry rub guy like you are, is it okay to marinate some meats? Um, so I find myself not marinating a ton of meat, uh, nothing against it. I mean, there's some that I love, like, uh, Julie introduced me to this, uh, Huli Huli chicken, you know, Hawaiian chicken. And, and it's, and, and so I love like, uh, I'll take boneless, skinless thighs, uh, trim them up real nice, uh, marinate them in Huli Huli sauce overnight. And because of a boneless, skinless thigh is nice and thin over a 12 to 16 hour marinade, you'll get good penetration. Um, so marinade is let something soak in this liquid. Um, I'll usually try to turn it once or twice throughout the marinade. So you make sure you get all sides covered. Well, whereas a brine, a brine is a process of osmosis. So a brine is taking a very, very salty solution. Well, the brine is the salty solution, I should say. And it has a bunch of other aromatics and flavors in it. And then you put this piece of meat into this brining liquid. And what it's trying to do now is it's trying to, to equalize the salinity between the water on the outside and the protein. So what happens is all this salt and moisture and flavor starts migrating into the protein. As it migrates into the protein, the salt stays behind. So that the kind of, if you think about it, the doorman says, no salt, you stay here, but we're going to let the liquid and the rest of the flavors come on in and that's what gets absorbed in the protein. That's why it's always so critical to make sure anything that you brine, once you're done brining it, you wash off very thoroughly to get all that salt off the exterior of the protein. But you're saying, just so I understand, that the marinade process doesn't allow the salt to get stopped at the door by the bouncer. The salt stays on it, and it's takes longer for a marinade to, to permeate and to get inside of the actual protein? Yeah, so so it'll take a, a marinade longer to, to permeate, and it won't permeate as deep. Um, and the one thing, and, and usually a marinade is is not salt forward. The reason you make a brine so salty is that you see, if a brine weren't so salty, it would be a marinade. The reason you make a brine so salty is to create that osmosis process, so it will uh, allow the, the the flavors and the moisture to penetrate the meat. Chad, I think that one of the the other parts of, you know, my grilling experience of what I love to do is, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I ate a hamburger yesterday off of a Traeger and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the same as you. Like I really try to watch my starches. I don't, if I don't have to have the, but, but there's just something about eating a hamburger the way God intended a hamburger to be eaten. In my opinion, it, w it was the perfect mixture of mayo and ketchup to give it a little bit of a thousand Island, but not too much. It did. It had a tiny bit of deal in there with the pickling um, onion, but it just, 
was awesome. And I'm not trying to bring drama to a hamburger, but there is something to be said about a correctly grilled hamburger. And the reason I'm saying this is that two times in the last 30 days, I've been invited to barbecues where it was not a good experience. And I really don't like to go to the guy and go, hey, because it's not my place, but I wish I could just go there and like show him a video of Chad Ward. Here's how you make a burger, because I feel that your guests deserve to have that burger experience. Now, this burger I ate yesterday was that was that in my opinion. And I was just like, damn it, man, there is a way to cook a hamburger the right way. And I don't know if a lot of people get it, Chad. I think that all of us go get the big stack of them at Costco, they come, you know, pre patted, which is fine. Yep. And, and then we put what we want on them, right? Salt, yep. pepper, dry rub, teach me how to cook a hamburger. And again, I know there's lots of ways, but the way that the way that I had it done for me yesterday, and it was my brother, Clint, that did it and he nailed it. But just tell me, do you mix your own beef? Do you make your own patties? If you do, what do you put inside that patty? And if you don't make your own patty, what do you put on just a regular patty that goes on the grill? And then how do you cook that burger to have the ultimate hamburger or cheeseburger experience? Yeah, no. So, so it's funny. I just taught this. Uh, I just taught smoked burgers Saturday on one of the Traeger uh, private, uh, private table classes. And, and it goes back and forth. Uh, you know, I like a almost reverse seared burger, if you will. Um, so we'll start at the beginning. I like to use a, you know, I, I I will a couple times a year grind my own, um, and that's because I'll take all my brisket trimmings and everything that I've got left over from all these cooks that sit in my freezer, and usually twice a year I'll grind patties and, and you know, freeze them and save them. The rest of the time I'm usually buying, and, and I think Burger is one of those places where the ch- cheaper the better almost because you can get some, you know, everybody wants to call it market ground beef. Man, 73 lean, 27 fat, while it is a fatty burger, is a damn good hamburger. You know, if you're just going for that, I want to indulge myself. You know, I'm not doing it every week. I'm not doing it every day. But, you know, a couple of times a year, I just want to have a damn good burger. I think a 73-27 mix is the right way to go. Um, You can also go, you know, if you want to take a little more fat out, I would do, you know, you could also do 80-20. You know, 80 lean, 20 fat. I wouldn't go any any lower than that on fat. Um, I just got done. I had to do uh, 450 bison burgers Damn. Uh, a couple weeks ago in Missoula, Montana. And those were 90-10. And you can get them done, and you can make damn good burgers out of 90-10 bison. You just got to watch them because your degrees of freedom and extra fat you have in there uh, to kind of keep it from drying out, you don't have as much in bison. So if I'm making my own patty, I'm going to uh, get myself a bowl. One thing about making burgers is you want that meat as cold as possible. So if you're burgering up 12 patties, what I'll usually do is I'll keep it in the fridge right until I'm going to pull it out. Right before I pull it out, I'll take and uh, I usually just make a little thing of ice water and I'll dump my hands in the ice water and then dry them off because I want my hands as cold as possible too. And so that way, as I'm building the burger, I can, I can build it. So I've got my bowl. I've got my burger in it. I'm going to add some Worcestershire sauce just because I love Worcestershire sauce. It's friggin' delicious. And then I put a little bit of um, the grind, which is my red meat espresso rub. I put a little bit in there. And then um, 
actually, I, I had gotten away from this. I, I don't do it a lot on beef, but on wild game, Julie actually reminded me of it the other day. She made some elk burgers and she put just a touch of olive oil in there because that olive oil is some extra fat to help that wild game from drying out. Uh, you can also do the same with a scoop full of mayo. Just work a scoop full of mayo into your wild game grind when you're making your burger, and that'll give you a little extra fat, too, to keep it nice and moist. Hold on so, real quick before you get away from the patty. Hold on. Mm-hmm. So, so, so far, you haven't mentioned an egg or breadcrumbs. I'm not this making what, a meatloaf, bro. Okay, that's what I love to hear, but a lot of people think that that goes in to a burger, and... I don't think that you need it. So that's what I wanted to make sure because you haven't mentioned either of those. Yeah. And and that's another reason too. And a lot of times people put those in there so they can get a better bind on their burger. Right. So it doesn't fall apart on the flip. That's the reason instead of putting that in there, that's why I make sure I have super cold beef and my hands are nice and cool and not the 98.6 degrees that our body temperature is at. You know what I mean? So, so that way I can keep that meat nice and cold and that meat will, will congeal together itself instead of me having to put uh, egg or uh, breadcrumb in there. That's a great point. That is such a great point of the. I've never myself ever have cooled my hands off to make well, burger and, patties. And I cannot take credit for that. I learned that uh, from a guy in Salt Lake City, a guy by the name of Jason Stuckey. Uh, Jason's owned a couple of different restaurants. He's a barbecue competitor, a retired firefighter, and he opened – uh, probably one of the best, uh, the best burger joint in Salt Lake City and one of the best in the country, a place called Lucky 13. I don't know if you've ever been to Lucky 13 in your travels out to Salt Lake. Next time you get out there, we'll take you, but it's a damn good burger. And uh, and Jason taught me that. Uh, he said he makes all his guys that patty out their burgers in the back. That's that's the way they do. They dip their hands about every 10 to 12 burgers to keep it nice and cold. Wow. Okay, so go on now. So now you got yep. the burger going on the grill or what? We got the we got the burger all going on the grill. I'm usually I'm usually about a six ounce patty guy, you know, so somewhere between, you know, two thirds of a pound or a half a pound, to a third of a pound. Um, somewhere in there. Um, and then I'm gonna throw them on at two seventy-five. Can I ask a question real quick again, Chad? I'm not trying to interrupt you. I'm learning. Do I let my patty sit at room temperature or do they stay cold in the refrigerator right before they go on the grill? Yeah. So I would, that's a great point, Chad. And I would, uh, I would patty them. And then once they're pattied, I'll put a little bit of seasoning on top. I usually use the rocks. Um, And then yes, they're either going straight on the grill or back in the fridge until I'm ready for them to go on the grill. But yes, those are ones that I want to take right out of the fridge, nice and cold and throw them on the grill. Okay, cool. And then we're at uh we're at 275. And I'm gonna cook them at 275 until they probably hit about 125. And then I'm gonna crank the grill up to uh to 450, 500, depending on what you got. Or in all honesty, usually I just have my ranger already blazing hot at 450. Um, and then I'm gonna go over there and finish them off. I'm usually taking my burgers up to like you know, little, you know, 150, 155 ish on beef, you know, especially if it's a higher fat ratio. Um, if I'm going wild game, I usually back it down about five, seven degrees because I don't want to kill it twice. I don't want a super dry burger. Yeah. Um, and then while I'm searing them off on the Ranger, uh, once I get that, that first side, as soon as I go to flip, uh, I'll add my piece of cheese. If we're doing cheeseburgers, let it go another minute, minute and a half, pull it off and, to me, another one that, that you know, it's kind of different. You know, I always preach about resting your meat, resting your meat. When it comes to a burger, 
I, I like for, you know, I, I just, I let it get to the point where oh, it's not going to burn the hell out of my mouth. And then I'm taking a bite. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, I, that's, I like it that's nice what and happened. fresh. Oh, I love that because that's what it was yesterday. It was bun in hand waiting for the spatula to come off the grill and put yes. the burger on your bun. Yep. And then boom, for sure. And the flavor, man, it's just like, I, I guess where I was going with that, Chad Ward, is that it's got to be the most cooked meat on a grill in America. I would think that it was. I don't know if there's maybe chicken, but I would think that the hamburger and the hot dog is still there as the leaders. Oh, especially this upcoming weekend, 4th of July. I mean, I mean, it's definitely going to be. It's just there's a right way to do it. And I love that idea of the coldness. What? What is it that goes on the perfect burger, though? Can – now, you, you've sim, – simplicity to me is everything, okay? When I take that bite of that burger yesterday, I was like, this is really good, but I don't think I need the tomato on it, right? So I was thinking in my head, like, what needs to be on a burger? You see the pictures of the bacon and the cheese and the egg and the jalapenos and fried this and fried that. I get all that, but are we covering up? or making an excuse for a shitty tasting ground beef by doing this. Cause I actually am trying to get out of you, Chad Ward, that ground beef is a hell of a flavorful meat. And it, you can build a burger without covering up that flavor of the actual meat. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm probably the worst one to weigh in on that. Cause I'm not a huge condiment fan when it comes to, you know, you'll never catch me with a whole bunch of stuff piled on my brats or piled on my burger. Um, I like keeping it simple. Um, you know, to me, if you're going to do, you know, I, a couple of things that I do think play well, um, I think some caramelized onions, if that's what you like, I feel, I always look at, is this anything that you add, whether it be a rub, a sauce, a condiment, is it elevating the protein, right? Cause if it's not elevating the protein, why the hell are we using it? You know what I mean? It, it's all about, you know, that, and, and, and what I've always told people is, you know, the reason I'm in such a simple cook is all back to my competition days is when you were running back to back to back weekends, let's say you hit hard this week, you win a grand championship. What well, damn straight. I want to do it next weekend and the weekend after that. So I always wanted to have a cook program that had the minimal amount of moving parts, whether that be ingredients, process steps, that kind of stuff. And as soon as I found something that I felt like was very, very efficient but also produce results. That's the way I cooked. And, uh, and I think that just carried on with me throughout my career. So to me on a burger, I think always toasted bun. Cause I like the crunch aspect you get from the toasted bun. I like a little bit of Mayo, um, just cause I feel like it gives a little more fat. Um, to me, I've never understood. I'm not a raw tomato guy. Um, but if you got ketchup on a burger, why the hell do you need tomato? Exactly. I, I, I haven't really gotten that one. Um, mustard, I'm a, I'm a big mustard fan. So either one, if you want to go with the old fashioned yellow, or sometimes I like a Dijon mustard just to give a little back, uh, back in twang, uh, on your tongue. And then, you know, for that, besides that, for me, I mean, some cheese and I'm, I'm ready to go. So I like to really consume the burger as just a burger. Um, and I know some people like lettuce for the crunch aspect too, and a little bit of coolness. And, and I can get that. Being who you are and what you've achieved on a grill, would you take offense to me asking you how to make the perfect hot dog on a grill? Because here's the other thing about a hot dog is the the meat can get dried out. The meat can get burnt too much on the outside and still be raw on the inside. 
the temperature of the grill is very important, I would assume. Do they do you take them off after they split when they look real ugly on the grill? Or is there a competition for hot dogs out there to where the judge goes, nah, you cooked that one too long? It, you know, this goes for brats, this goes for sausages, this goes for um, hot dogs. I love a good hot dog and I I don't eat them a lot. It's almost yeah. like a delicacy to me. Like, man, that was a good hot dog experience right there. I love I tell people the only place that I really like consistently eating a hot dog is a major league baseball ballpark. I yeah. love I love that culture, right? But yep. talk to me about hot dogs, Chad Ward. Is there a right way to do a hot dog? And are you trained in this area? Because you're probably on a different level to where hot dogs are way down here, I would assume. Yeah, I, I don't cook a lot of hot dogs. Um, I do cook a lot of sausages and brats. And when it comes to sausage and brats, I'm pretty simple. I, uh, I I like starting them out in beer. So I just have myself a, a nice, you know, half pan beer bath with some onions and stuff going on the left-hand side of the grill, usually like 375. Once I can tell the brats or the sausages are cooked, then I'll move them over to the grill side, usually with some uh, cast iron grate. And I'll just sear them off and get those uh, sear marks you don't want to pop the casing because as soon as the casing pops, there goes all your moisture. So I'm just looking for that. Yeah, I'm using the beer to braise them, add a little bit of flavor, get them up to temp, and then and, and pretty much cook them in the beer. And then I'm moving over to the cast iron grate, you know, 375, 425 degrees to just get that casing to crisp up and to get those, those brown grill marks. So that way when we bite in to that brat, boom, you get all that juiciness each bite. So you don't want to pop the casing. You do not want to pop the casing. That's what kind of holds in all your moisture. The one place that I will differ on that is with hot dogs. Usually if I'm cooking hot dogs, uh, Chad, I will take and split them from the very beginning, right down the middle. So Because I like the, the caramelization. So when I split it like that, I can take the face of that hot dog and cook it face side down, you know, for six, seven minutes at 375. And that baby's done. Throw it in the bun, top it. And it's good because you get uh, the, all the goodness of the hot dog, but you get some of that caramelization um, to kind of go along with it that you don't get a lot of on a hot dog. So <clears throat> you're splitting it before it even goes on the heat. Yes, sir. Like a butterfly, but all the way down and then flattening it out on the grill. Yep. Do you cook it or do you keep it casing side uh, down? I mean, up the whole time with the meat part of it on the grill. I keep the meat side. I keep the meat part on the grill the whole time. Leave the casing side up. So, what are you into now, Chad? What is gets you going now? Because here you are. You're my age. I think you're a little younger than me. You're in your forties. Mm-hmm. You've achieved everything on a grill. You travel the world cooking for classes, instructional Traeger. What a culture. What a community that we're going to get to in a minute. But. I mean, the the list of people that you've cooked for is amazing. From Dan Patrick to Ken Griffey Jr. to George Brett, I could keep going and going. You you've barbecued with Dave Grohl, uh, which is arguably one of the biggest rock stars of our generation, Nirvana and Foo Fighters. You've done so much with musicians. I uh, Tim Montana. What, I'm so proud of Tim and what he's doing with his album and his his record deal and everything he's got going on. Um, but what are you into? What you know? Like a lot of people ask me, do you really still like going duck hunting as much as you did when you were twenty? Yes, I love it. I, yeah. I I dream about it. Like it's what I love to do. Do you still get off on this? Do you visualize your cook still? Do you love the preparation and the visualization part of what you're getting ready to do in a class or somebody's backyard or an event or a competition? Do you still love it, Chad Ward? I do, man. I, I love it to death, and and I think um, you know, and and 
And it's interesting because I think um, COVID put a lot of things in perspective for us, didn't it? Um, cause, cause I know, you know, me and you are both guys that have, have ran hard as far as travel on the road events, you know, for probably the last decade of our career, you know what I mean? And, and I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, come last March when COVID first started happening, I was, I kind of took a breath like, oh, okay, whew, I'm going to get a couple weeks off the road. You know what I mean? I can, I can get home. I can, you know, just starting this, this remodel on this new house. And I'm like, okay, man, this, this will work. And I remember after the first month of that, I think me and you actually talked after the first month and I'm like, dude, I'm ready for this to be over. Like I'm ready to get back to what we do. You know what I mean? And so I I think it was one of those, uh, you know, I I think the great band Chicago says, don't know what you got until it's gone. And, um, and so for me, that was one of those, like, I've always loved it. And I still loved it. Then was I getting a little, a little burnout, you know, from the road, probably, um, but then for this break to come, I mean, you know, it was, it was great for recharging the batteries and no, I still get super excited. And, and, you know, the first things I think about every morning is, you know, and looking back on it, I always, you know, I'm very fortunate to have been a good competition cook, uh, have to have built a, a good brand name in whiskey bent, but I didn't expect, you know, full, you know, full di- distribution in Academy sports, um, I mean, per, I mean, I'd be in all Ace Hardwares right now, but I asked them, "Hey, I want to wait till next year because I want to make sure you know Academy is the first big store that we've we've sold to. You know, 250 stores. We've got some cool holiday stuff going on with them uh, this holiday season. That it's one of those I didn't want to spread ourselves too thin. So we've got Academy up and running. We've got almost all their holiday stuff uh, booked and ready to go. So we'll be in Ace next year." And, and those are the things also, so it's, it's those things that I think I get up and I'm like, man, this is awesome. I just want to keep pushing this forward. Um, the other thing is to look at, you know, I'll two weeks from now, I'll be seven years. I've been with Traeger. And what I love about it is like, when I look at how many people knew about Traeger seven years ago till now, it's unreal. And to know that people like myself and you and others, so many others have had a chance to, uh, to make that happen it's pretty damn fulfilling. I always tell people like here in the next couple of years, people are going to get their MBA and their doctorates writing business cases about how Traeger changed the outdoor cooking world. And to, to be a cog in that wheel is pretty badass. And, and, and the fact that we've seen the growth that we've seen, but in the grand overall scheme of things, we really haven't done shit. You know what I mean? If you think about it that way, like, are we blowing up the grilling industry? Absolutely. Have we seen growth like no other brands ever seen in outdoor cooking? We have, but like there is still so much more potential. Less than 2% of households have a trigger in their backyard. So while we 2%? have moved the needle, less than 2%. Jesus. Yeah. So, so you see what I mean, right? Like, like we're moving mountains, but there there's, you know, what happens when we get to 10%, 12%, 15%. That that that's a real number. You know what I mean? Two percent. Like I would argue that until I was blue in the face. Everybody yeah. I know has a trigger. I just don't know any. I don't know very very many people. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and it's just one of those, man. It, it's. I remember when I first heard that number, and I was like, "Ooh, really?" Um, and then sat down with our market research guy. We've got a group of about a half dozen that, you know, we don't keep them in a fully dark closet. We let the lights on for them a little bit, but a bunch of big brains that crunch all this data. And it's really, really interesting to look at it. But yeah, we've got so much opportunity for growth. So I love that. And then, 
The third leg of it that makes so much sense for me and probably my biggest passion is teaching. I mean, I, I love teaching and we've had to, you know, kind of, I, I, I don't use that other word pivot, but we've had to make changes, um, you know, and delivering classes online and this and that. But I can say without letting the cat out of the bag, we are very, very, very close to hosting some classes at Salt Lake City HQ um, here in the coming months. And I have put my request in to be the first instructor because I'd be love to be the guy that welcomes everybody back to HQ for the first trigger shot. I want to come to that one. I'll I'll let you know as soon as we get dates. I'm thinking, Chad, it's probably going to be August. Um, Don't know when, but I will definitely let you know. I'd love to have you out. I, I think it'd be fun to get a couple of influencers out there and, you know, not just you guys come out and attend. Maybe we could do some kind of, you know, each of us take a recipe kind of deal and, and do something real fun. Dude, I would love that. And I also have this other event that's somewhere, I don't know how far exactly out of SLC. Um, man, I wish I could remember the name of this place. Um, it's a little town. It's an Ace Hardware. It's a big dealer that we're going. Uh, our mutual friend, Denny Bruce, has us going in there with Dickies to do a parking lot um, event at a Dickies dealer where we're going to be cooking and serving samples um, to the customers of this dealer. And, of course, Traeger's coming along with us in the provider trailer, Chad Ward. Maybe if timing matches up, we could get you there with me of throwing down on the grills for this dealer. Um, which is obviously probably, if I had to assume, I don't know for sure, is a Traeger dealer also. But let's talk about that and see if that's something we can put together too. That that sounds good. I was actually looking at my August schedule, and it's not, it's it's busy, but not as busy as the last three months have been. I'll I'll get it to you today on an email and see what, what if you're going to be in Salt Lake City at that time. But when you when you started talking about COVID, and you know me and you are antsy, we're like, man. I, I miss my friends. Like I miss Nashville. I miss Memphis. I miss Little Rock. I miss seeing Whiskey Myers and Tim Montana and Drake White and you know and all of our all of the bands that we're w- with. You know, like I I just miss it all. Right. I went yeah. back and watched Brent Cobb's little ditty he did for Traeger the other day, and I was like, man, I just miss my friends. But I also have found so much solace in my backyard again. Like I was missing that, Chad. Like that. It mm-hmm. took co- it took COVID. To open my eyes in the in the uh, in the way that you're talking about, where I was itchy to be back with my friends, but it also let me get that balance back of that teeter totter of like, dude, I just spent five hours with my daughter going over card tricks and magic tricks and the swimming pool and this and that, and being on the road, you can't do that except Zoom and 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 Skype. Thank God for those, but it really taught me like, man, I'm cooking in my backyard again, and I think Americans are seeing that you don't have to go from little league to gymnastics to ballet to football to pop warner and just boom 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 or mom and dads are running back and forth they they took a breath and they're like it's okay it's okay we can be a family in the backyard again and i think that that's where traeger was there to pick up the pieces of covid and say look we're here for you you know what i mean Uh, absolutely and we saw it from the beginning um you know I'll tell you, you know, our, our initial thoughts were like, okay, we're going to sell a, a ton of pellets. And, and we did. People are staying home. They're cooking. What we didn't know is what, what are people going to do with their money? You know what I mean? You know, buying a, buying a $19 bag of pellets is one thing. Buying a $1,000 grills, you know, another step. And, um, and sure enough, man, people, when, when they decided they couldn't go out and get great meals, um, they decided, hey, we're going to figure out how to make these at home. And we're going to make them with, with a Traeger. And, uh, and, that, and that's, that was a godsend. I mean, um, yeah, I, so many people got introduced to the brand 
uh, during COVID. And, and to me, what was cool about that was then as a brand, boom, we were able to start doing Trigger Kitchen Lives for free on every Thursday. You know what I mean? Have a great pit master or chef or somebody teach you a couple of recipes on the Traeger, absolutely free. Uh, you had people blowing up the website like crazy grabbing recipes. Then we did the private table classes. So we, we tried to make sure while we saw this huge uptick in sales and new consumers, we wanted to make sure, you know, pun intended, we were feeding those consumers what they needed to get the most out of their purchase. And that brings me to the community. Of, yeah. You said you were a cog in this wheel of what Traeger has become. And it has become, I can't believe the number you just told me. I still would argue that. And I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying no, I yeah, still yeah. feel like I needed to argue that. Hard but to believe, yeah. Yeah. The, co- the, the, the community, though, is what separated it from every other brand out there. Not, I know the qualities there, right? But talk to me about um, the actual presence <clears throat> that you feel and the pride that you feel in seeing this inspiration and this influence that this brand has brought to so many people that really has, they're doing it like with so much tenacity, Chad. I mean, people are sending content like it's like they're being paid millions of dollars to send content and they're not. This yeah. is something that people are taking pride in because of this community. They want to be part of this community because it's so welcoming and there's the ego's got to be out of it because the way that I look at it, man, is that I can cook Chad Ward's macaroni and cheese and have people go, Dude, that's the best macaroni and cheese I've ever had. My point is, is that you don't have to be Chad Ward to be have people go, that's some of the best burgers or macaroni cheese or, or peach cobbler I've ever eaten. Thank you very much for the, the, the dinner tonight, right? That's what Traeger is to me is like this community is like, you can't have an ego in this community because you can, anybody can be good on a Traeger if you really have put your mind to it. A couple of things that I always say around that is one, if I do my job right, I'll work myself out of a job in the next 10, 15 years. You know what I mean? <laughs> I um, you know, Everybody will be able to cook that way on a Traeger and I'm perfectly fine with it. Uh, the other one that I've always said is, you know, especially in a situation with Traeger, no one is bigger than the brand. No one soul can even touch what the brand is. You know what I mean? And, and I feel like all of us that work with the brand have that feeling. You know what I mean? They, they, we understand that. The people that have been around from the beginning, been super loyal, um, you know, they, they've just, we, we get it. You know what I mean? And, and so, you know, I, I think those two things are, are huge and I, and, you know, not just what I get to do as a person, but when you look at my job at Traeger as the director of barbecue marketing, uh, you know, to be the guy that's put together, you know, Tyler Stark, you know, he, he led the flag and, and kind of put the whole outdoor team together. Um, we did an amazing job, kind of set a blueprint for me and say, Hey, we did this in outdoors. We want to do it in barbecue. And to be the guy that was able to put together, you know, the barbecue team uh, at Traeger and see what it's turned into. And as we continue to add people and grow, uh, it's it's super cool. And then I love the part of my job where I get to cross over, not just, you know, hang out with the barbecue people, but, you know, kind of my whole career at Traeger, I've crossed over and done a lot with you outdoor guys. And, and that's a ton of fun. I mean, I really enjoy it. Do you, do you think that being the director of barbecue marketing, that you could let our audience know any secrets that are coming? Um, is there anything we can look forward to within the Traeger community? If we can't say it, I get it, but I'm just saying maybe there's a little nibble you can give us. I will tell you this. I, ca- I can't announce, announce anything, but I will tell you, we have the largest product development team 
you know, in the grilling industry. And it's for a reason. It's not also they can just sit there on their hands and look at the products we've got currently. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we are always innovating. We are always looking at things. There are several super exciting things on the horizon, but um, I think Uncle Jeremy would probably uh, find me another role in the company if I said anything more than that. Um, I don't want you to get in trouble with Jeremy, but you brought up Jeremy. Um, is Jeremy a real person? Because he's got social media. He's got a family. He's the CEO of probably the most innovative grilling company there is right now. And maybe in history, don't know, don't want to say anything that obviously people would go, well, that's not true, but uh, in a, in a, I, I, I think it would be hard not to say that. Cause if you look at, if we're saying innovation, you know, besides, you know, Henry Ford and all he did with charcoal and this and that, I mean, nobody holds more intellectual property in the grilling space around technology and innovation than we do. So Okay, so it's fair to say that innovative, it's there. Yeah. I also think it's fair to say that you can't cook a better tasting meal than you can. You might be able to cook something that's comparable, but in my opinion, the ease of this and closing that lid and not standing over a fire for eight hours, which I like that part of the backyard of experience also and, and camping and all that, but I don't know if you can get better flavor on meats and vegetables. I just don't. Well, well, real quick, building. So I did this yesterday, and then we'll talk about – I'll answer on Jeremy, too. Literally, I, I had to prep two slabs of ribs for my class on Saturday. So obviously, class gets done. I've got these two slabs of ribs. Cover them up, throw them in the fridge. Uh, I had a brisket I had prepped during the class before, so I uh, put it on Saturday night. Uh, gave it to my guys that helped me move yesterday. And as soon as I pulled the brisket off at like 1030 in the morning, I was like, well, shoot, man, let me, let me throw those two slabs of ribs on. I literally threw the slab, the two slabs of ribs on at 250 at 1030. What about my day move, moving stuff, packing stuff, look down. I was like, oh man, when I was getting back to the house where the, the ribs were at, oh, it's 230. So they just sat there four hours at 250, pulled them off, brought them in, let them sit 20 minutes, kept doing some stuff. I was like, I asked Julia, I said, hey, you want to try these ribs? She's like, yeah, absolutely. Dude, I would turn them in at a contest. They were delicious. Tenor no ra- no wrap, no wrapping anything. No, no, no wrap, no nothing. I mean, and, and so, I mean, all it was was, you know, ribs that I got from the grocery store. So they weren't no fancy, you know, heritage breed or nothing like that. Just regular old ribs. And I put um, whiskey bent the bird and whiskey bent the old fashioned on top. And they sat in the rub overnight in the fridge, threw them on four hours, nothing. And they were so good. And I think that's a huge testament to simple cooking and just how reliable Dane Traeger is. God, I, I, I'm telling you, I did something on Saturday morning. We were cooking a brisket taco bar for the Reno Rodeo. It was going to be 275 people, Chad Ward. We ended up doing over 700 tacos. Damn. Um, I got up at six in the morning. Did all the ribs the day before. I didn't cut all of the fat off. And this is something that I want people to understand is that there are different w- different instructionals out there on capping and the cap on a brisket and how much to take off and which side to cook up and all that. I'm not trying to act like I know what I was doing, but I intentionally left some fat on to have that taco, that taco brisket be what I wanted mm-hmm. the taco experience to be. Put them on at 625 in the morning. 
15 briskets on five Ironwood 885s and one Pro 780. I let them get to the the 200 mark, somewhere right in there. And I knew that I was going to take these off. And, 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 you know, I did the wrapping process and all that, but I knew I was going to take them off and get them all sliced up after they rested for a minute. And then I was going to take them down to the, the, the um the rodeo grounds and do a quick warm-up with my sauce because i wanted mm-hmm. to, i use three different traeger sauces traeger q the apricot and the sweet and the the um the green one remind me of it I, it's my favorite sweet one heat. sweet heat like it's my favorite one um chat i'm talking on people were like what is this what are we eating here? Like, this is the best taco I've ever had in my life. I'm like, guys, I literally, guys and girls, I literally did not do one thing to this meat except put dry rub. And you'll see my content that's going to come out tomorrow, today or tomorrow, Chad. I used Old Fashioned, The Rocks. I used one of Pittman's on Meat Church. And I used one of ours, one of ours called The Drop Time on a bunch of different briskets. And I was comparing them to people. They're like, this, this is unreal. This is the best freaking taco I've ever had. And I literally just set them on the grill and never even really opened the lid again i know I it's know. Free, it's the cra- it's the baddest ad- and i was like dude people think i know how to cook b- good barbecue and it's really the traeger doing all of it and that goes back to the culture and the pride that people take in these this brand and that's what i think jeremy has done is that he is allowed for people to be themselves and say oh you you want to cook vegetables? I don't care if you're a vegetarian. Here's where the Traeger can help. Oh, you're yep. a hunter? You're a hunter? You live off the land? Here's where the Traeger can come in. Oh, you're a barbecue champion? Well, here's what the Traeger can, That's what this community has done. And then you put on top of that the education process of what you just said, that you're feeding this wheel, this machine all the time. Like, I can go onto the app and be like, oh, my gosh, there's oysters. There's scallops. There's pulled pork. There's People, people are it's a no brainer. You are going to be out of a job in like 10 years, maybe less. If you keep this up, <laughs> I know, I know. I, I got to start planning on the succession plan. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta get with Jeremy and figure out, well, what happens when you don't need <laughs> marketing anymore? You know, no, you know, that's not going to happen. You're a big part of the success, but Jeremy is that guy, right? He has allowed people to be themselves. And I know that he's demanding. Uh, every CEO has to be, you have, I'm not saying that he is personally, I'm saying that he's got to expect, have expectations from guys like you and Tyler and, and, and Imar and everybody. This is results driven. We have to have success, but Chad, it's not a job to you, right? I know you work your no. ass off, but this is fun. No, it, it, it's a blast. I mean, I mean, to me, I look at it as Jeremy has like given us the most amazing platform, you know, to be ourselves, you know, to, to, to be ourselves, to share our passion for the brand, share, you know, what, what makes us who we are. And, uh, and he's a hundred percent a real dude. I mean, he's a, uh, such a passionate guy, um, loves the brand to death, you know, great father, great leader. And he's just one of those guys that has it. Like, you know, what you look for in every great leader is, Hey, would you get in a foxhole with him? Absolutely, man. Jeremy Andrews, for sure. I would, I, I would have no doubts or no hesitations, uh, at any moment, you know, he's, he, he's amazing. And, uh, it's been, it's been really, really cool to, to have been on the ride. I love hearing you say that. I have a ton of mad respect for him, a ton of mad respect for you and what you do. And I will say this about Chad Ward. I've never in my life, and I've been in a lot of different brands and businesses and workings like, you know how we are. We work side by side with a lot of brands and people and individuals. I've never met anybody like you, Chad, that literally will take the time to write a text that's about that long for people watching on 
YouTube, but it's about a foot long text of me just saying, Chad, I need some help. I need, this is what I've got going tomorrow. Or Chad, can I introduce you to my friend? He's going to have this cook. Like that is a big time deal to take the time out of such a busy lifestyle and still lay that down. And here's where I'm going with that. I know that I'm not the only one you're doing it for. It's probably, if not a thousand people, it's, it's several hundred people that you do this for. And I'm telling you, man, like that is a huge part of why Traeger is where Traeger is, is because they have guys like you that take the time out of their lives to say, look, we want you to be successful. You've been on several cooks with me. You've traveled to come to my camps. Like I'm saying, thank you. But I'm also saying like, dude, that is a big thing for a person to have the, the, the heart to say, no problem. I might lose my job because I'm teaching you to be as good a cook as me. Not everybody, not everybody does that kind of shit, Chad Ward. So kudos to you, my brother. Oh man, dude, thank you for the kind words. And, and man, it's a, it's an honor to me. I mean, I, I enjoy doing it. I, um, you know, one, I, I just love people enabling people to go out and cook more. And I find when you share recipes and share techniques, people get more comfortable. Once they get comfortable on what they're doing, now they want to share it with others and then they just can keep paying it forward. Um, so no, I, 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 I love that part of it. You know, sometimes I get a little overwhelmed with the, uh, the direct messages on, on the gram. Um, but I feel like I've, I've kind of got a way that I've, I've started tackling that now that makes it a little more, uh, a little easier to, to do. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's a full-time job just to handle your social media with the, the, the people's having access to you. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, and it's almost like, well, how many of these can I return? But let's leave it like this. We've been on an hour. I truly appreciate your time. But what you, you mentioned Academy, you mentioned Ace, you mentioned some holiday stuff going on with Whiskey Bent. What can we expect to see from Whiskey Bent Barbecue Company? Um, the brand, the rubs, the apparel. Can guys and girls go on your website and find inventory right now? Are you shipping right now? Can they get a new lid or a new shirt design? I love your merch. You do a great job with that. What, what can we expect? You got anything coming down the pipe for us? Yeah, so actually last, so Sunday night we just launched a... Uh, we just launched a new uh, hat for Fourth of July. That's up now. Uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool lid. I like it. Uh, and then one thing, as we've kind of grown, what I'm trying to do now is, and and you live from this, you live in this world with you know banded and all that. But I, I never thought about it this way. Is we're going to try to have a couple new lids and a couple new shirts for a fall release. So would like to get those out. You know, Septemberish. We're working on final designs and that kind of stuff right now. Uh, I think we may drop one more hat between now and then. Um, so we've got that. We, I have been in a little bit of the, the meat lab, if you will, working on a couple new products. Um, don't know if I'll have them ready for the holiday season. It's one of those things, you know, I, I don't want to rush it. You know, I, I look at, you know, I, it took me a good two years to finalize these recipes for the first six rubs. And I've been cooking with them my whole competition life. Um, so don't want to have a super snail's pace at it, but at the same time, want to make these, you know, get these final versions approved and, and start looking at moving them forward. Uh, so really excited about that too. Um, and I would say that's mostly it. Yeah. If people go to the website right now, whiskeybbq.com, um, everything should be in stock. We may be at a one shaker size uh, on the rocks and that's because we're actually waiting on the shaker itself. That has been, that was one of the hugest COVID pains too, was shakers and lids. Yes. I, I, there's a couple, I think there's still some, uh, some of the fix, which is our all purpose rub out there now. 
with with red lids on it. But when I, yeah, you could either have no lids or red lids. I was like, I don't think anybody's going to beat me up over you know a couple thousand red lids. So let's just do it. Yeah. Uh, but no, things things are going well. Things are growing. Um, working on the new website. We're uh, in the final steps of getting a dealer locator on there. Uh, so people can go out and know where whiskey event products are all over the country uh, and find it that way. And then uh, once we get the U.S. dealer locator rolled out, I think within about four to six weeks, we'll have the worldwide uh, locator rolled out, which to me is just uh, very humbling. The fact that we've got you know our products for sale in Australia, all over Europe, Canada, that kind of stuff is pretty uh, awesome. And I do want to tell you guys, too, I have not had a chance to cook with it a ton because I've been I think I had. 16 days off in the last three months that I've been home and I've been trying to do this move the whole time. Uh, but dude, the provider life rubs, I, I, I did open probably four or five of them and just tasted them out of the bottle. Pretty good work, man. Really good. I can't wait Thank to you. have some time to get them on some meat and give you some, some feedback. Well, yeah, I'd love that. And I'd also like to send you some of our beef, the American almond beef, and just have you tell me like, yeah, like I threw down on this filet or this New York. And I don't know what that commitment is with you and the other companies out there, but I'd like to talk to you off kilter of off, off microphone, I should say of like, I'd like to get your opinion because having you say, Hey, these rubs are good. That, that would mean everything to all of us, Mendez, myself, the entire crew. Um, Jack Daniels hot seat fun questions to let Chad Ward whiskey bent barbecue go. If you're cooking right now in 100 degrees, 90 degrees in Florida, 100 degrees where I sit right now, what's in your what's in your tumbler cup? I ain't going to say the brand because I know that we both work with different tumbler cup manufacturers, but what's in your tumbler cup right now? Oh, and mine right now is just Gatorade Zero, so I'm very uh I'm not as exciting right now, maybe a little bit later uh I'll I'll add a uh little bit of Tito's in there. Um, and yeah, that, that it is Monday though. I've, I've tried, I've kind of given myself a new rule building that the only time in, in, in to enjoy spirits is with others. That a boy. I like that so, idea. So usually here at the house, I'm cooking by myself. I'm just on the hydration train. Um, but yes, there will be a, cause I get back on the road here Thursday. So there will be, uh, some Tito's and some Gatorade or Tito's and LaCroix in a tumbler soon. <laughs> and Are one you thing I want to say, I, I, I know Jack Daniels is your sponsor and I will always have a very close connection to them because they sent me my one and only ever cease and desist letter. Because of a design. Yep. My original, if you go back and Google the original whiskey event barbecue logo, it's got some scrolls in it. And they said those scrolls were a, a copyright infringement. Really? But yes, but I will tell you what, Brown Foreman was super nice. I'll never forget. They called me. It was back when I was in the software business. I was at a trade show. And I, I and usually I don't, especially at trade show, I don't pick up unknown numbers. But I was trying to close a deal with a guy and we were going to meet up for a drink after the show. Show got over, my phone rings. So I just assumed it was him. No, nope. it's Jack's parent company, you know, Brown Foreman talking to their legal department. And I'm like, so. Look, man, I'm just this little guy out of Lakeland, Florida. Like, how the hell did I get on y'all's radar? And she starts laughing and she goes, well, our VP of marketing is a very big fan of Chopped. And oh. I'm like, uh, <laughs> and, and, and literally when, when I went on Chopped, I just had the huge Whiskey Bent logo right on the front of my chest. And I think that was when he was, and, and I didn't design it. I didn't anything. Uh, I'd paid a guy like 150 bucks to design it. And when they were like, yeah, we think the scrolls infringe upon our scrolls. And I'm like, 
Well, this is going to be a real short conversation. Um, I'm in no position to take on Brown Foreman. Um, <laughs> just tell me what I need to do. And they said, don't sell any more merch with that logo. Uh, you know, we're not going to tell you to strip, you know, all the stuff off your trailer. Just if you go to sell said trailer, will you at least, you know, have somebody take the graphics off? Uh, they were super easy to deal with. Nice. Um, and, and it ended up being a, a, a blessing because it was a very cartoonish logo, which there's nothing wrong with. I mean, when I got that logo made, it was me and four guys that were buddies, you know, cooking in parking lots, you know, going out and we were more of a drinking team than a barbecue team. But, <laughs> but then when that happened, I said, okay, well, I'm going to go get a little cleaner logo. You know what I mean? Something that's more business-ish than, and then got that logo, started the store. So it all worked out for a reason, but I will always, uh, I'll always enjoy myself some Jack Daniels, but I, I love having that story. And I was hoping when I was unpacking all this stuff, I would find the cease and desist letter and I haven't yet. Do you still have any of those shirts? What's that? Do you still have any of those shirts? I do actually have a couple of those shirts that I kept from my own personal collection. Well, if you have a larger XL laying around, I would love to to have one. Oh, you want to wear that to your next meeting with them? No, I just have this. I I have this fascination with nostalgia, and yeah. I would love to build it into like a shadow box with pictures of you and I cooking together and being yeah. at events, like you and I and George Brett together and Clay. That would have been cool. That's yeah. what I'm built. That's what I'm building out right now. Is like a bunch of just maybe one day have like a a, a shop that's like a museum of of what of this road we went down in this life, right? Like. Jim Shockey, uh, a big time, unbelievable Absolutely. hunter. He's got the hand to man museum up in British Columbia. And it's like his life in the, the travels and the countries and the hunts he's been on the people he's met, the animals, the, I mean, it's a, it's amazing to be able to do that. And that's what I've kind of like looked at in mind is like <clears throat> how many duck hunters f- from Reno, Nevada get to go cook with George Brett and Chad Ward in Kansas city. Like that shit doesn't happen. So like, I'm trying to like dig my fingernails into what is important of those memories. And that's why it's so important for me to communicate with friends like you of like, look, this freaking life is precious and it's short. And I, I look at things like that, like, man, those, I, I was just looking at him yesterday. I have a shadow box that I did of a pair of Chad Mendez's fight shorts and his gloves. And there's three pictures of you, me and Mendez in there. You're wearing your John Daly pants. We're at HQ. Um, and it's like, dude, we, we haven't got to do this in a, in a while. I know. And, I, and that's what I, that's what it's so important to me is that we do take shit for granted, no matter who we are. And when I hear of that shirt, I'm like, yeah, I want that in a shadow box to know that Chad Ward has this story and this history. And for some freaking reason, our paths crossed yeah. because of because of a Mallard duck and a Traeger grill and then a friendship forms. And I don't take that shit for granted. I think it's very important to understand this story and this road we went down to because Chad, a lot of times I don't remember what happened last night because I'm already on to the next thing. And I know yep. that you're the same way. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's one of those where, you know, especially when you get to running hard, like I, I have the last couple of months and, and will in July, it's like, man, you get one down, you get it behind you couple of high fives and all right, shit, we've, we got to be back at it in 24 hours. Let's get on a plane and go, you know? Yeah. And I, it's, I just want to remember it. I want to, I want to no, be I, able I, to have a, stories. That's an amazing idea. Um, the last hot, the last hot, hot seat, Jack Daniels question I'm going to ask you, who's going to win the world series? Are you paying attention to baseball at all? I, are you a Braves fan? Are you a Rays fan? What, who's going to win the world series? Cause they're, I'm a, Hey, the I'm Rays a, are hot right now, bro. I, yeah, I am a Rays fan, and, and, and the Rays are hot right now, and, and it's starting to remind me. I know last year was shortened, 
but it's starting to remind me a little bit of last season. Um, you know, because now we got the lightning in the Stanley cup again, you know, cause it, it was like this ridiculously awesome three, four month period of like Tampa Bay sport. Well, more than that, when you count the Super Bowl, but like even just hockey and baseball, you know, it's like, okay, boom, lightning won the Stanley cup. You know, Rays right there to game seven in the world series. They, they, the Dodgers played better than the last couple of games of the World Series. There was no doubt about it. You know what I mean? They just had a better team. They were the Dodgers were better equipped for for that game six, game seven, what they needed to do. Right. Um, and, and then we go into football season with the Bucks. I mean, I know everybody had high expectations, but Jesus <laughs> Pete, nobody expected a Super Bowl. Freaking Tom Brady, unbelievable. So, so so my um my my money's on the raises of now, but still a lot of baseball to play. We're just getting to the break. Um I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to watching that that home run derby that, that's coming up on the 12th. That's yeah. a, that's going to be a good time. Stout. Hey, don't was, forget don't forget to keep your eyes on the Giants too. Yep, the Giants yep, no, are going to give the Dodgers a run for their money in the NL in the NL West. I, I think they will. I think it's going to be a good second half of the season for sure. Yeah, I'm excited about. It. I'm, I'm I'm so I can't wait to go to a game. I went I went to Pacific uh, Panama City Beach a couple weeks ago for the Gulf Coast Jam, and the owner of the festival got up and gave a speech of what it meant to have people back at concerts. And I was like, I miss this shit too. Like I was like, wow, this has been gone out of my life. Like things are going to start getting back. We'll be at headquarters again soon. We'll be at some camps soon, some cooking events. That's Chad Ward, the one and only. You guys got to check out Whiskey Bent Barbecue. I had a guy from Florida text me, Brian Belitnikoff. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Text me all the time about what he's experiencing with Whiskey Bent Rubs. I'm Oh, cool. There, there's so much... There's so much that you can do and get creative out of the box unorthodox. You can keep it simple. It's still simple. You can get creative with these rubs and try that cornstarch method on chicken wings. Uh, there's so much that you can learn from a guy like Chad Ward, like I've learned from Chad Ward. And I love that about what we get to do in life is that if you're a sponge and you sit there and go, you know what, maybe I don't know how to cook a hamburger that good because I really didn't until I got around guys like Chad Ward and briskets and pork butts and ribs. And I'm not saying that I couldn't make it edible, but now I look forward to it. So I can't wait for our next cook together. Chad Ward, any closing words, my man, I want to go smoke some ducks with you this season. Where, where you want to go? I'll get, I'll send you some hunch right now in dates and you pick and, um, anywhere you want to go it's an open invite we'll open up the camp i got some ones that i would recommend i'll send them yeah. to you and, and we'll just, get some just show me what you recommend i'm obviously you you lean on me for recipe advice i'm going to lean on you for for bird advice so i, think oh, that's I can't wait fair. To, i can't wait to throw down at camp with you on some ducks and get creative on them i would love to that that would be awesome all right, my man, I'll talk to you in one second. Real quick, Chad Ward, Whiskey Bent Barbecue, Traeger Grills. I love, and I am I know that you guys have heard me and girls have heard me say, I really want to get away from saying things like being part of the Traeger family humbles me. We need to be humble before we even go into an experience like that. We need to understand what humility is. We cannot think that we have it whipped because this life will show you a new ass whipping daily if you allow it and you're not prepared for it. So learning, opening up your mind, accepting people for who they are, 
are. It's very important to me. I am not humbled to be part of the Traeger family. I am blessed to be part of the Traeger family, the Whiskey Bent family, friendships with guys like Chad Ward. I want to stay humble. I never, ever, ever want to act like I'm bigger than this life, this game, or any of these brands. So hopefully that means something to y'all. We mature as we get older in life. We learn new things, and we start to truly understand what is important. I hope y'all enjoyed that conversation with the great Chad Ward, Whiskey Bent Barbecue, Traeger Grills. This has been another episode brought to you by Jack Daniels of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. Please enjoy Jack Daniels responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. We'll be back at you with another episode soon. Can't wait for it. Tom, Jake, hit that button. This is a mutual friend of Chad Ward and myself, Leith Lofton, singing his number one hit, What You Gonna Do When the Money's All Gone. Cause I'd rather be poor living off in a hole than rich as hell without a soul. Life on earth won't last too long, so what you gonna do when the money's all gone? I'd rather be poor living off in a hole than rich as hell.